DBHDD is reminding Georgians to ask their doctor about alternatives to opioid pain medication. Alternatives such as over-the-counter medications and physical therapy can be used to manage pain. More information at opioidresponse.info. The morning after a terrible storm, a man walks along a beach. Thousands upon thousands of starfish lie in the sands at his feet, drying and dying in the sun. He and the starfish are not alone. A small boy walks the shore as well, picking up starfish one by one and throwing them into the water. After some time, the man caught up to the boy. What are you doing? Saving them, the starfish. <laughs> they Shut up, Mike. It was fine. You ruined the moment. What moment? <laughs> I was so into the story, bro. Oh, my God. It's like I lulled you behind sleep. <laughs> oh, I woke now. That was great. <laughs> oh, my. What? What do you want me to say? Save them. <laughs> the starfish. No, there should be. There should... If they stay on the beach, to die. Hold on. You've done. You do acting and all this stuff. There, there would be a, a oh certain level God. of conviction. I was, I was in it. I was just was, I'm in the middle. I'm where distracted was the, where by was the starfish. Con- I didn't feel like you were picking up a starfish and you felt like you were doing something that was important. All right. The starfish, an inside joke that has haunted me since the very beginning. You cut out the part where you said the line exactly the same the second time. Okay, here we go again. Yeah, exactly. Here we go again. On today's episode, a look back at three very fun years on WUGA. Without further ado... You're listening to Nothing Funny About Money. I'm Matt Gorin. Actually, one of the things that I noticed when we were at Gabby, there was a consistency with the energy for like a lot of these opening things. Yeah. Like there there was a sound that I was hearing across the board yeah. with some of these folks who were kind of getting it. Do it like with the like, we're excited to be back. Yeah. Welcome back. This is nothing funny about money. That, that was what that, I was trying to do. Um, <laughs> but here, I, I you hear went that. into this depressed. Look, I hear the note. I hear your note for an episode on homelessness. Yeah, I'm it's going to be tough. Yeah, well, do I want well, to? Well, actually, but we're, we're speaking it from the level. spirit of service, and we're okay. excited to right. bring this thing okay, to well, you that's I'll, actually going to help people. I'll try that. The, the only thing I will add to uh, that point, which is true. But uh, there also is a public radio sound, which none of those stations represented at the Gabby's, other than Georgia Public Broadcasting, Interesting. are actually public radio. They're commercial radio. So that was the difference that we were hearing. Yeah. Commercial radio is for much more. Well, hello, good morning, and welcome to yeah. Wow the Morning Zoo's Golly. Right. It's unbelievable. And that is that. a good sound. It is a great sound. It's the sound of money and feature stories happening every day right here a, on Magic like 102. Casey. It's amazing. Hello there. Wonderful. <laughs> but uh, public <laughs> radio, which public radio then, uh, the. Uh, the stereotype is much more reserved. Dust settling <laughs> on your radio. Right. <laughs> dial. Oh God. So no, we want to be somewhere in between, I think, but yeah. that but An the energy eyelash floating upon your cheek. Resting <laughs> gently on the peach fuzz on your cheek. God, that's really good. 
Wow. <laughs> I would, if I just came across that in the middle of the night, I'm riding. <laughs> I'm going to listen to this. I care <laughs> where this is going. I'm going to stop. This so somewhere in between. Crazy. There. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. So I'll try to be. Yeah. Not you don't got to be super super giddy, but well, no, the, the be, but better. And this is uh, my problem: is I sound like I'm sarcastic and uh, annoyed all the time. You're listening to nothing funny about money. I'm Matt Gorin, and I'm Michael Thomas. We put a lighthearted spin on personal finance, and today we have our work cut out for us. I wish we had thought to recycle all this never before heard content earlier. I mean, it sure is making our lives easier. People have no idea how much work has gone into this show. No, they do not. The scripting, the recording, the editing. The editing, the script, while we're recording. (laughs) Ever wonder what that sounds like, ladies and gentlemen? Let's listen in. Okay. (laughs) Just edit on the fly. (laughs) Oh, goody. Yep. See, that's what we need, Chris. We just need your random cartoon voices. Well, I can handle that. Perfect. I want to go back. What, what did we do? What was that again? Money, uh, Monty the Money Mon- Mongoose. Mon- Mon- yeah, Monty the Money Mongoose. Bucks. I Bucks love the that one. That was fun. <laughs> We've been talking about bringing him back. Yeah, we just need the right him. thing. we got to bring him back. Bucks right? is the embodiment of corporate, corporate evil. That's right. <laughs> yeah. When we talk about corporate evil, yeah. then Bucks comes back as the spokesman. Yeah. Uh, Entity, spokes demon, spokes demon, (laughs) and now here, here's the spokes demon. Uh, Yes, the the spokes demon for some company. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's perfect. (laughs) Finally, we have something to call bucks. I keep like, what is this? An animal? Is a cartoon? Is the spokes demon? Spokes demon. Oh (laughs) my god! Actually, this is the episode where we determine what Bucks is. Spokes Spokes Demon Demon is that spiciness we were talking about when we were out there a little bit earlier. It adds that little extra where people are like, oh, Spokes Demon. That is too good. I love it. And to to be dead panned. Yeah. The Spokes Demon, Bucks. The Spokes Demon. Bucks the Spokes Demon. Okay, anyway. I love to see unique. There you go. Get those vocal cords stretched. Next up. The very first appearance of our own spokesdemon, Bucks. Hey kids, I'm Bucky the cartoon character. Let's talk about spending money. Anybody here like candy? How about big old shiny toys? Boy howdy! Did y'all watch that nice old television advertisement my employer recently aired during the Saturday morning cartoons? Boy, that's just super! We played on your fears of rejection while simultaneously arming you with the persuasive appeals necessary to separate your parents from their money. Anybody want some light-up shoes? Make sure to let Mommy and Daddy know. If they don't buy you the most expensive brand of merchandise, they don't love you. Now who wants to go watch a movie sequel? All right, let's go! Is this who you really want giving your kids financial advice? Because that's where they're getting it from. The cartoons, TV, their friends. Absolutely. Music. Yeah. It's, it's coming from everywhere, honestly. Right. But we think it should be coming from you. That's actually not true. It should be coming from us. So we went to the local Athens farmer's market and Sebastian left his money at home. And Ash was like, well, if you want this strawberry popsicle, you're going to have to pay me later. 
And Sebastian was gung-ho. He was like, yay, I get the popsicle. And just kind of right. going crazy. And he's already very super hy- hyperactive this, this, when so it comes to sugar. This is his first experience with this debt. Is, here. This is his first experience with <laughs> debt. Like, I have to pay somebody back. And right. we don't charge interest, right? A usury rate. <laughs> but what was funny was that I, I guess he was thinking that Ashley was joking. And my wife doesn't mm. joke when it comes to money, not even with me. Right. She, okay. She's she's the bookkeeper in a relationship. <laughs> but as soon as we walked into the door, when we got back home, Ashley was like, I need my three dollars. And Sebastian looked at her. and was like, what? <laughs> Literally, wow. that was the look. She was like, I need my three dollars. And he was like, for what? And she was like, well, you told me that you were going to pay me back. He pouted and cried all the way to the room, went into his his spending fund grabbed three dollars out and was like i want to give the popsicle back i don't like you can't give it you ate it too late no (laughs) one wants that popsicle now it's done but (laughs) but like you were saying for a four-year-old that's probably going to stick with him for a very long time but if he hadn't experienced the transactional piece where i'm actually having to give something that i worked for right in exchange for something else I don't think that this moment would have been as impactful as it was. Oh, exactly. Maybe we want to shield our kids from these negative experiences, shield our kids from not feeling us. so bad. <laughs> not you. <laughs> not not, not my parents either. <laughs> and I, I think that when you allow kids to fail, allow kids to mess up, it can be so transformative for them. From your point of view, the $3, you don't care about the $3. No. It's nothing, Mm-mm. right? But from his point of view, there are huge stakes, huge stakes. Those $3 are gone forever. So it does create that memory. And I'd rather it be $3 than a $10,000 credit card debt. So when I was uh, a kid, maybe seven years old or something, my dad, for whatever reason, got a a new $100 bill from the ATM and he's showing it to me. And I was just screwing around and I I grabbed it out of his hand and I ran off with it. And he didn't (laughs) think it was a big deal. And I, I... I thought, I swore, I just stuffed it in my pocket. And then uh, right after this, it's like, oh, hey, come back here. We're going to go for a walk. We walked around the neighborhood. It's like a mile, and that's it. Come back home, and he says, okay, seriously, now give me the $100 back. And I reached in my pocket, and I couldn't find the $100. It's gone. And I searched everywhere for that money. I went back out, and I did the mile (laughs) walk again. Couldn't find it anywhere. It's just gone. To this day, I have no idea what happened to it. And they said, okay, well, you owe us $100 now. I was trying to think as a seven-year-old, where am I going to go earn this money? Because I can't work. And um, they had me do extra chores around the house. I eventually pay off this 100 bucks, And I really, from that point on, it's like, I I don't ever want to go into this debt again. I've got to be more responsible. I can't lose any more cash. The stories from our tortured childhoods don't stop there, folks. Next up, two more life lessons from one of our earlier episodes. There was this one time I was seven or eight. My mom and dad decided to let me earn an allowance. So I did all my chores for a week and begged to go to the store, the toy store, as soon as I got paid. What happened at the store? Yeah, so we we go into the store. I look around for about 20 minutes or so, but there's, there's one issue. The one toy that I really wanted was the toy that I couldn't afford. Hmm. Yeah. So we, I tried to bargain with my mom, and I was like, hey, can you give me half of that, and I'll pay for the other half? And what she said. And she was just like, no. 
No. Yeah, no. It's, it's not happening. And it, Brutal. It, it, yeah, honestly. And uh, it even got to the point where I was pulling out the crocodile tears. And as, you know, the other shoppers were walking by, I would kind of get louder in my request, yeah. hoping that I could shame my mom into getting this thing. Sure. And you, you knew you were, like, intentional about this. I was I was very intentional okay. about what, it. What, it was did she, what did she do then? Yeah, she didn't do anything. She basically just told me <laughs> Dragged that, you home. that if I wanted that toy, we would leave the store and I'd have to work another week to earn the money that I needed for that toy. Yeah. Yeah, in a week, that's like forever to a seven-year-old. It, it is. It is a lifetime, honestly. And I ultimately decided to say, you know what? I'm just going to buy this toy that I really don't want because I didn't want to work another week for it, and I did that. Mm. Yeah, I've got an almost identical experience. It's actually eerie. Okay, we we went to the store, me and my brother, my my parents, and they said we will buy you something, but it's got to be less than like five dollars. This okay. is the limit, something like that. And my brother found some little like micro machines or something that was really cool. And I still remember vividly it was, so we were big into transformers and this was like a micro machine transformer. And it's like really cool. It's like a robot car thing. I can see it in your eyes right now. I know. I still remember. It was a cool toy. (laughs) You're there. It was a cool toy. And, uh, and then I'm looking around to try to find something like equally cool. I couldn't find anything, but rather than just saying, ah, I'm good. I don't want it. I found some like plastic fire truck thing and went, it's like, okay, I'll just settle for this. Yep. And I, so I, I had them buy it for me and it was like, whatever, $4 or something. And it took it home and I immediately regretted the decision yep. immediately. Yep. And then I had that stupid fire truck sitting on my shelf when I was growing up and it was like this reminder <laughs> for me. And I don't know how intentional I was being about this, but it was like a reminder. I'm don't, never doing that again. Yeah, don't <laughs> buy crap you don't want. Don't waste your Absolutely. money on these things. And I like literally every day I would see this thing. You even telling that story makes me feel what I felt when I brought that toy home after going to the toy. I played with it for a day and just put it away because I was just disgusted by the fact that I didn't have what I really wanted. And that still, yeah. that still sticks with me. That's my money story. And we share that money story. Right. And it's uh, screwed us up forever. Um, (laughs) We hope you're enjoying our money stories. We've got a lot more of them to come. But first, we've got to take a break. Stay tuned. Support for Nothing Funny About Money comes from Elwood and Getz, Athens' only wealth management firm registered with the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, offering fee-only comprehensive retirement planning. AthensWealthManagement.com It is the far-off year, 2019. Taxes have been eliminated entirely. Small, rugged bands of survivors press on. I'm so glad we finally got rid of taxes. All taxation is theft. Yeah, totally. Just wish the roads weren't so messed up. You don't feel good knowing you get to keep every last cent of what you earn? Yeah, but I guess I took for granted how easy it was to get food back then. Now that big government is out of the way, we have total freedom. Uh, Except we can't go to the chaos zone anymore. At least our hard-earned money ain't going to welfare or BS subsidies. Or police. Or shady foreign governments. Or keeping the wild dogs out. Truly a Randian paradise. Now, with hard work, anyone can rise up to the top, and the fruits of their labor will trickle down on everyone else. Actually, I think that's acid rain. Hey! Hey, you two! Put your hands up! Oh, look! 
an entrepreneur. Put all your food in this bag. Now. Oh, certainly. Look at this. Capitalism at work. Uh, well, back to eating mud? Yeah, as free men. Delightful. Welcome back. I'm Matt Gorin, and I'm here with Michael Thomas. We're looking back at three years of nothing funny about money. You know, we've never shied away from complicated or contentious subjects like tax rates. Boring subjects like tax rates. Tax rates have caused a lot of controversy over the years, as you'll hear in this next clip. This feels like ancient history, but remember the 2012 election when Mitt Romney said a bunch of people don't pay? Yeah, and uh, that got him into so much trouble. I want to remind everyone out there what he said for those listeners who aren't finance nerds like us. Truly. Unfortunately, the original audio quality isn't great because his quip was recorded on a cell phone that might have been underwater. So I'm going to do the next best thing and have Chris read the transcript. 47% of Americans pay no income tax. Wait, that's it? And he called them entitled to. Well, the issue, I guess, is that he embellished the actual rate, right? He just made up some number. Way more people pay income tax than that. Oh, no, he's right. The number did shrink to 44% since then as the economy recovered. But ironically, it's right back up to over 47% because of the new tax law. What? How is that possible? How can half the country not pay income tax? Because they're leeches, Michael. Entitled leeches. Oh, boy. Forbes broke down the numbers for us, maybe help clarify things. Okay, what does Forbes say? 8% of Americans pay no income tax because they're super poor. So unemployed folks, individuals with extremely low wages, these are people living in real poverty. And our soldiers. Soldiers. You know, my dad was a Marine and definitely paid his dues during Desert Storm. Yeah, soldiers are exempt from paying taxes when they're in a combat zone. So soldiers are part of this entitled 47%? Funny how that works, right? Mm. Funny how completely wrong perceptions can be. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, and who else is in that group? Students. People who are getting the skills now to eventually pay a lot more in taxes later in life. So this idea that 47% are just, well, lazy and sit around is completely baseless. Well, hang on. That was just some of the people who don't pay income tax. Another 10% do just sit around and even go on vacations. All right, Matt, don't get us kicked off the air. I'm talking about <laughs> retired people. So in that entitled 47% are people who work their whole lives and deserve the opportunity to spend some of it in leisure. Many of whom tended to vote for Romney anyway. What? 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 Why? What? Why? Why? What? Taxes weren't the only boring, complicated subject we brought some levity and clarity to. On our very first episode, we went right after bank fees. I don't know if I'm allowed to say my bank. Can I say? No, we're not. We're okay, not, not going to say. So this is the name a bank. A yes. That many people. Not have. A is in like the bank is a, but yeah, like bank. it's not necessarily the bank of a. Exactly. For example, I, it is I'll not necessarily the bank of. Yeah, a. because there might be a bank of a out there. <laughs> yeah. Right. I just don't want you know. Anywho, <clears throat> uh, commonly abbreviated B of A. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, I just started working with these guys, and I got my fee schedule, 
How many pages long do you think my fee schedule is? Ideally, I would love for it to be just one page. Very yeah. easy to look at. Big, bold letters. Right. Just kind of gets to the meat of it. Yeah. No, right. And would you like that one page to say no fees and big, bold? That would be awesome. Okay. Honestly. Well, that's like no fees at all. Nope. Not. Nope. Okay. Wrong. Okay. All right. How, it's longer than one. It's longer than one. All right. Yeah. So five pages. Oh, you're you're getting warmer. I'm getting warmer. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Like warmer or are we doing this you're on a scale cold. from- I'm still cold. Exactly. I needed some <laughs> clarification there, right? All right. All right. One so, more guess, and then I'm going to All right. So we're going to go with, let's go with eight, since eight? the whole theme uh, is eight. You're rocks. one third of the way there. It's 24 <sighs> pages long. That's right. 24 pages of fee documentation. All right. Now, I don't know what your schedule is like. You know, I know you got a family. You got that a full-time job. Yeah. You'd have time to read 24 pages of fee? No, because if you, think, if you think about it, and what's, what's the, the fine print on that? Uh, at this length, it's all fine print. I think it's all <laughs> eight-point font. It's all fine print, 24 pages. glass for this. All right, magnifying glass. And, you know, when you're just kind of looking over this right now, does it just kind of jump into, like, a whole bunch of jargon about language before it, like, oh, is that, yeah. like, maybe 10 pages before you actually get into the meat of anything? Oh, it's, it, well, fortunately, no. There's so okay. many fees that they jump into them immediately. Oh, they do. Wow. Uh, so just be up front. <laughs> So we've got uh, a monthly maintenance fee for the checking account. That comes down to $12. But to avoid the monthly maintenance fee, you can meet one of the following during each statement cycle. You can have a qualifying direct deposit of $250 or more. You can maintain a minimum balance of $1,500. Or you can enroll in the Preferreds Reward Program and qualify for one of these honors tiers that they then go into details about. Or if you're a student... And then that goes on for a while because there's all these exceptions to who actually is a student. So that's a $12 fee. But what if you accidentally got into the interest checking account where they pay you a small interest charge? Well, then that might make your fee jump up to $25 a month. Oh, wow. And uh, in order to avoid that, you've got to have at least $10,000 in the account. Ooh. So this is the kind of thing we we're talking about with the Wells Fargo before of, hey, <laughs> was maybe it, you want to get that checking account that earns it, you some interest. Wasn't there a study that came out recently that suggested that 60, roughly, percent of Americans have less than 500 or less than oh, yeah, $1,000? Two-thirds of Americans have like less crazy. than $500. So actually, if that many Americans <laughs> have less than $500 that they could pull from $10,000 is a bit much. but Yeah, and that's the sort of thing. If you don't necessarily know what you're getting yourself into, that someone might suggest uh, an account that's not optimal for you. Yeah, I would uh, Like this very variable interest account, and suddenly you're paying $25 fees. And that's how we got into that example before of the payday loan type uh, interest rates. Yes, that's right, folks. Some banks really do nasty stuff. We recorded our first episode the day after the 2016 presidential election. And we're recording this, our final regular episode, in March of 2020, three and a half years later. And you know it was just in the news. What's that? Wells Fargo just got hit with a $3 (laughs) billion fine for putting people into those interest-bearing checking accounts. Three and a half years to finally get hit with the fine. Yeah. Uh, We'd like to take a moment to thank Wells Fargo for giving us so much material over the past three years. They're not the only company that hasn't always had their customers' best interests at heart. Next up, what happens to all those holiday gifts we don't want? Ah, here we go again. You hating on Christmas. 
I think people are just terrible at giving gifts. And let me guess, you I've got, got the, the statistics, statistics to back this up. up. Yeah. So I'm about to drop a boatload of numbers. So let me just get this out of the way now. Most of this is coming from work by the Wall Street Journal, Newsweek, and Gift.com. Thank you for your diligent reporting. So just after Christmas, over 10% of all gifts are returned. About 70 billion dollars sent back to the stores. So one in 10 gifts aren't wanted. Well, no, hang on. I didn't say that. In addition to all those returns, 17% of people donate okay. unwanted gifts. 13% re-gift. 10% just throw the gifts away. My goodness, this is so much wasted money. Maybe the problem is just that we get so many gifts from people who don't know us well, like coworkers and yeah, oh, if only. So a survey by the Daily Mail found that 42% of women return gifts from their husbands. <laughs> Ashley, this year I promise to keep all of the gift receipt. Now, we've said so many times in the show <laughs> Talk to each other. If people are more open about what they want, I think we'll see fewer unwanted gifts. Do these surveys give any suggestions for good gifts? Well, the most returned gift was clothing. Over 60% of all returns. Maybe the clothes don't fit so well after all that turkey. It was always hard for me to find clothes that fit. Why is that? I've got I already know why that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't come in super small for men. <laughs> wow. Jeez. And of course, you have the what going on uh, as yeah. well. Say it. Say it. You don't And get I've got monkey arms. <laughs> yeah, my arms are too long for my body. Yeah, it's genetic. My people once proudly swung from the trees. Okay, so clothing is the number one return. But clothing is also a popular gift. So just because there's a lot of clothing being gifted, you expect a lot of returns. What I wanted to know was what gift has the highest return rate? Okay, so a gift might not be as popular, but when you get it, you're, you're faking a smile and planning your next trip to the store. Yeah, and that gift, the most returned. All right, drumroll, please. <laughs> Knickknacks. Ah, yes, those random decorations people put up around their homes. If I get one more ceramic snowman, <laughs> I swear to God. Okay, so what is a good gift? All right, let's look at another survey, this one by Gift Card Green. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, they sell gift cards. I gathered. They asked people which gift cards they would like to get and gift cards they would not like so much. The least popular gift card, stores that people rarely go to. The treat yourself kinds of places like Swarovski, Zara, and Brookstone. Yeah, I, I'm drawing a blank. I've never heard of these places. What are you, a farmer? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know any of them either. I love farmers. All right. You should. Mm -hmm. So if those were the least wanted, what were the most wanted? I get this. McDonald's. Love it. Chick-fil-A. Chipotle. Sounds about right. If you only knew how much we spend on food, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, exactly. These are just everyday sorts of places. So giving people these gift cards, it's like giving them cash. I know, I know where you're going with this. Now, you're going to say... If you're going to give a gift card, that's basically cash. So you, you may, may as well, well give, give cash. cash. Yes. Yeah. Excellent advice. Because you gave it. Time for another break. <laughs> we hope you're having as much fun on this trip down memory lane as we are. Stick around. More Nothing Funny About Money ahead. Support for Nothing Funny About Money comes from Canon Financial Strategists, an advisory firm that helps organizations and individuals design, maintain, and monitor retirement plans for a better financial future. More information available at canonplanners.com. 
Hey, buddy, I'm home. Where are you? Oh, come on, not another mess on the rug. I even came home from work to let you out. Oh, hey there. You made a big mess again. What's the matter with my boy? Oh, what? what's this? What's in your mouth? What? Why do you have so much paper in your mouth? Buddy, what did you eat? No. Oh, no. My blueprints. Buddy, no. Bad dog. Why would you eat all these? Why is the carpet all wet? Oh, you knocked the vase over. Buddy. Buddy, no. Come here. Uh, buddy. My rare china. Ah, my dad's urn. Buddy, stop. Stop, buddy. Stop. Sit. Buddy, sit. Bad dog. Bad dog. This is why we had to move out of the last house. Buddy, no. Down. People at the Dog Training Academy would be very disappointed in you. You should be ashamed of yourself. Bad, bad dog. No, don't go outside, buddy, no. Sorry, Mrs. Henderson. Buddy, come here. Don't go into the neighbor's yard. Oh, God. Your car's on fire. Are you okay? Look, I'm really sorry. Just, just buddy, buddy, bad dog. That's it. You're sleeping in the kennel tonight. That was definitely our most expensive skit. Do you all have any idea how much it costs to rent a helicopter? A lot. <laughs> Longtime fans of the show know we have all these crazy sound effects in our skits. And we have one man to thank for that. Our audio engineer, Garrett Burke. He's like our fifth Beatle. Pete Best? No. Bill Preston? No, the producer. Oh, Phil Spector? N- how? Yoko Ono. Brian Epstein. Alan Klein? George Martin. Oh, my God. The guy who did all the crazy engineering for them. Never heard of him. Unbelievable. Oh, my God. All right. Can we get through this? Can we get through this? All All right. right. Here comes horrible accent time. You've been practicing your accent? I have not, but I'll I'll pick up (laughs) on your vibe. It's the, oh, da. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's practice run here a little bit. Oh, God. Look, this is going to be horrible either way it goes, all right? Let's just do it. It's not supposed to be perfect. The university has accepted me. Oh, here you go again. (laughs) (laughs) Forrest Whitaker. I swear to God. Do you hear what he's... Every time he does this voice, I'm like, it's Forrest Whitaker's in the room. Papa, papa, the university has accepted me. Oh, here you go again. My boy, we don't have the money for a fancy private edge university. (laughs) You just got to read the line. I'm trying to do this accent, dude, and I sound like I'm Nigerian, not Italian. If the phonetics of it just genetically is not working for me right God. now. Okay. Right. Que pasa, Manuel? Yeah, that's good. You just, yeah, we want Chris to do it. Chris. Bye-bye. All right, let's just go. This is going to be horrible either oh, way it goes. All right. All right. But don't – you just read the lines at least. Goodness. All right. Papa, Papa, the university has accepted me. Oh, here you go again. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That was the best one yet. Just do, I'll do bad Italian and you do bad Nigerian. Oh my goodness. You adopted an, an Italian boy. It's fine. It doesn't need to match. (laughs) 
and the end product was no better. There is a lot of misinformation out there on how to actually go about getting the resources to make college affordable. Yes, this story is as old as time. Papa, Papa, the university has accepted me. Oh, here you go again, my boy. We don't have the money for a fancy private university. Oh, but Papa, my out-of-pocket costs are only 12% of the nominal tuition price. Boy, you aren't making any sense. We have talked about this. Work a dead-end minimum wage job, save up, and then go back to school in 42 years when you can afford it. Papa, you have to consider the actual price of college. Think of the grants and scholarships. You are going to upset your mother, boy. Oh, Papa, remember when we completed the FAFSA? That qualified me for thousands of dollars a year in Pell Grants. And on top of that, the school offered me need-based financial assistance. FAFSA? That sounds like something we talk about on a future episode of Nothing Funny About Money, Boy. I know what you're talking about. Oh, and think, Papa, once I'm on campus, I can get a work-study job. I can get real-world job experience and, when I finish work early, even get paid to do my homework. Oh, son, you make me so happy. If only I knew all the rules that help low-income families go to university when I was your age. Oh, Papa, thank you. What a happy day for our family. Let's go tell your mother, quick. I know what it sounds like, but that was an actual recording. The younger guy there is my great-granddad, Giuseppe Portobello. Very often on our show, we did not take anything seriously. That's what all the skits were for. (laughs) And as you can imagine, behind the scenes, things were just as silly. Listen for yourself, as we were joined by one of WUGA's many student interns. And then we're going to do this um, this skit. Yep. Um, You might appreciate this. Uh, When you were a kid... Yeah. Um, did you happen to read any Hardy Boys? I, I did a little bit, yeah. Well, that's what we're all about. It was that right. Do you know Hardy Boys? I read it, yeah. There you go. You, she get read it. it. It's read the it. one. Did you get that? The she one read, Hardy read Boys it. book. I read Good. that and uh, Nancy Drew. They, oh, see, oh, there. Now that's, that's a, I was about to say. If she really knows one. it, that's... I do. How about like uh, Encyclopedia Brown? <laughs> Hmm. Now you're just getting, now you're just getting wacky. You missed out. He just made that up. That was There's my, no that was my favorite. Brown. There is. That's what my my mom called me when I was growing up because I kind of look like the the drawing. On oh the, really? I did at least. You know, say like a kid. It's like a little white boy with brown hair. Well, you still look like a kid. So and I still look. Much. I look exactly the same. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then. Encyclopedia Brown, as his name suggests, is kind of like this know-it-all, has all the facts. So, yeah, my mom was like, oh, here's Encyclopedia Brown again. (laughs) She was so sarcastic with me. Is that right? Where did did this come from? Luckily, it didn't, didn't, you know, The reason I have such low self-esteem is directly attributed to my parents. Okay. Um, When I would make jokes, this is a good, nice to meet you, by the way. Um, (laughs) What a first impression this is. Wow. So when I would make jokes, a common thing that my parents would say is, uh, that's very funny, but looks aren't everything. Wow. Yeah, my parents are sarcastic meanies. They're bullied. I got bullied by my parents, not by wow. the kids in the we school. We should have them on. Are you know, they that, still are, we should. Are they around? Next time they're them. in town. They visited Athens. I've lived in Athens for how long now? Six and a half years. 
They visited twice. So next time they <laughs> next. And you didn't bring them here. What's what's wrong with you? No, they came the last time they visited. The second time they've ever visited, which is the last time, was back like nine months ago. Yeah. And they came for dinner and then left. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, Hardy Boys parody. <laughs> Oh, boy, what a night that was. Dude, I've never been kicked out of a bar before. I've never been kicked out of an Uber before. Well, at least it's nice out. I don't mind walking. Yep, not so bad. Ah, crap. Ah, crap. What's up? My wallet. I can't find my wallet. Your wallet's missing? It's a case of the missing wallet. The Hardy Men. What could have happened to that darn wallet? We've got to retrace our steps and gather some clues. Boy, howdy. We might just solve this mystery yet. Okay, focus. When's the last time you had it? I had it when I was buying that eighth drink. Think, think. Was anyone else there? Maybe they took it. Well, there were these two women chatting me up. Ah, that was definitely just one woman. Okay, right. This woman was flirting with me. The one who threw the drink in your face. Yeah, that's the one. Anyway, while I was crying... From all the vodka and cranberry juice in your eyes? Yes, yes. And I left that huge tip for the awesome bartender. The one who refused to serve you. Right, and I got angry. You're a dirty commie! Yes, and then I ran to the back of the bar. Right, you knocked all of those people over. Maybe you dropped your wallet then. No, because I still had my wallet outside. Well, what happened there? I added another $5 to the parking meter, so I definitely had it then. Ah, and all those stains on your shirt. You must have bought a hot dog. Give me one with everything. That'll be $10. I did buy a hot dog, and then I dropped it. Ah, fiddlesticks! And then I bought another one. That'll be $10. And I found you by the ATM outside the club. Yeah, and I was taking out more cash to pay for the cover charge. Right, and I wrestled the cash from you and said it was time to go home. It's time to go home! And that's when I called the Uber with my phone. That you took from your left pants pocket. Which is exactly where I put my wallet! Golly gee, hardy man number two, you're a gosh darn genius. And a handsome one at that. Ha <laughs> you clever devil. Oh, wait, where's my phone? Hey, Matt, what was the point of that skit? Uh, it's easy to spend money in one night. What's it like living in that dark, twisted mind of yours? Exceptionally terrifying. Interesting. Exceptionally interesting. For you listeners out there, Matt wrote just about all the skits, so if you were ever offended by anything... Hey! The meaning behind this next skit is a little more obvious. Buying a house is expensive. You two are going to love this one. It's a turn-of-the-century unit with plenty of storage, great views. All right, hold on. Oh, great. Oh, this is so exciting. The last one was, uh... Well, you know, they can't all be winners. (laughs) Here we are. Uh, We're on the roof. Is there another door up here? No, this is it. Charming. You can see the Moors building right there, and... This isn't a house. How can we buy a roof? Yeah. Well, technically the third floor, actually. The hurricane that came through last year blew the roof off, so this is the third floor. 
I think we're looking for something with a roof, not on the roof. Listen, folks, you've got to have some reasonable expectations. Ah! Oh, my goodness, that was a seagull! Usually the cats keep those things away. I'm so sorry about that. There's got to be something around here in our price point. Well, we can keep looking, but you barely have anything saved up, and your credit scores are pretty terrible. Well, honey, maybe this isn't so bad. I could put my Beanie Babies over there by the exposed wiring. No, this is silly. At least find us something upwind of the paper mill. Okay, fine. Let's get going. There's a crawl space on the market in Midtown. Uh, Fewer cockroaches than you'd think. Mm. Oh, we sure had some fun times. The fun's not over yet. We've got to take a break for now, but stick around. More Nothing Funny About Money in a minute. Nothing Funny About Money is also supported by listeners like you. You can find more information about how you can support public radio at nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org and wuga.org. Welcome back. We're talking about cutting housing costs. We're very fortunate to have a local expert on cutting all sorts of costs. I'm speaking, of course, about Pip Pennywise, who joins us now. Glad to be on the show. Your blog is called Makes Sense to Me. Sense spelled with a C. Yes. It's a pun. Okay. Uh, so let's kind of get into the questions here. What's your tip for cutting housing costs? My tip today is to Airbnb your house. Airbnb your house. Okay. If, if you Airbnb your house, where do you live? Well, since you can make more money by renting out the entire house... I just live in the attic. I put a tent up there. But how do you live up there? Well, it's just like camping. You should bring all your supplies. It's not hard. Haven't you ever been camping? I'm almost afraid to ask this, but where do you, like, go to the bathroom? I just take the Tupperware up there. It comes in all shapes and sizes. And it has an airtight seal. I'm sorry that I asked that question. How much did you save last year? So last year was not representative. Why was last year different? Last winter, I had to get up to use the bathroom in the middle of the night. And as I was shuffling to my Tupperware corner, I tripped on one of those wooden beams up there. Okay. See, it's an unfinished attic. Anyway, I stubbed my toe really bad, but I couldn't make any noise. So I'm squeezing my eyes shut, and I couldn't see nothing, so I fell right into the insulation. And that doesn't support your weight so good. So I just went right through the ceiling. Oh, wow. And I landed on this lady. Oh, did she know you were there? No, she was sleeping in my bed, and she was not a happy camper. Okay. So between my medical bills and her medical bills, I'm down about 20 grand. And this is pending the outcome of the trial. This is absolutely absurd. And I, like you know everything. <laughs> you know what? I don't know everything, but my 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 temperature is about Mr. to boil right Big now. Finance guy, and there's a reason. There's a reason out. why you have a lawsuit, and I would suggest oh, that no, no. that you check yourself right now because. No, no. All right, you might Chris. Can you call? It, thank you. Can we get him out of here? Our listeners don't want to hear this. I'm out of here, Lucas. No, you're already out of here. I already said you were out of here. You don't you don't decide when you're out of here. I decided that for you. All right. We went a little too mean there. 
to this day, I believe I'm the only person who enjoys that skit. <laughs> oh, so good idea to include it in this best of episode. I mentioned it in the promo. No one hears the promos, Matt. Oh. Free tip. Don't include stuff in your radio show that only you like. Literally the entire premise of this show. Next up, some great tips from Matt and our good friend Kathleen Burns Kingsbury. I want to share some uh, laughably bad tips from Penny Hoarder. Number one, fake the cake. <laughs> Their suggestion don't get a real wedding cake, just cover styrofoam in the shape of a cake in frosting. So this is a suggestion that I don't necessarily like, but have your guests pay for everything. What kind of monster would do that to their guests? I'm a traditionalist. Emily Post told us that you're supposed to have a meal that kind of represents what the guests would pay for a gift. So $50 for $50, $100 for $100. Hmm. The idea of asking people to crowdfund for your wedding is something that I think, as a Gen Xer, is a little tacky. Yeah, that would be really tough to convince me to go to a wedding where I've got to pay $100 just to attend. And I get it. I understand why. Do you get it? I, I don't get it. Yeah, because weddings can be really expensive. And then if you're just go to the justice wedding, of the peace. That's true. Now, again, I wouldn't do it. It's not for me. But for those people who say, you know, I really I want the even, say, a $10,000 wedding. Well, for some people, $10,000 can be quite a bit of money. So if you can get your 50 guests to each chip in 100 bucks, well, you're halfway there. Well, obviously, I'm not planning everybody's wedding. And I do think that it's important to get in touch with what you value and what's important and then look at your budget that way. But I still haven't been invited to one, but I don't know if I'd go to a crowdfunded wedding. Well, if you can't get your friends to pay for your wedding, how about corporate sponsors? Yes, Penny Hoarder also has a tip for you to find a corporation to pay for your wedding and they tell the story of a couple who got Burger King to pay for their wedding and to cater all the food. I just feel like if you're going to pitch a sponsor, go higher end than Burger King. <laughs> go big or go home. They are the king of burgers, Kathleen. It's right in the name. I understand. I understand. And I do like burgers, but I might have to pitch somebody else. Like, I don't know. Go big, right? Olive Garden. Applebee's. <laughs> Like, why set your sights on Burger King? I don't understand. <laughs> I think having a corporate sponsor uh, for a wedding would also be exceptionally tacky. But again, if you are struggling to pay for even a relatively inexpensive wedding, hey, uh, okay, maybe that's how you go. Reading off lists of facts and making fun of them was one way we tried to make personal finance accessible to folks. But our favorite way was stupid voices and dumb jokes. And here is a list of the expenses we discussed. Let's walk through this together. This is so exciting, honey. It's really happening. Uh, sorry, I wasn't expecting so many pages. All very standard, I assure you. Mm. Let's start at the top. Venue. Were you able to get the Ritz Belford? 
The Ritz is for dog walkers, darling. I got you the little palm island in Key West. The what? Wedding right on the beach, reception on the rooftop, 12 stories up, stunning views. Wait, I'm sorry. How much are we talking for this? We said $15,000. Honey, it's a rooftop. And I hear you. It's just... How can I make this clear? If you don't book the little Palm Island, it means you hate your fiancé. What? He's right, you know. He's not right. What does that even mean? So the Palm Resort it is. Yay! That's $175,000 for three nights. Oh, my God. Next up, food. You said buffet. Uh-oh. Darling, when I heard you say buffet, I thought, oh, no, she's having a stroke. I'd like buffets. This isn't a golden corral. It's a wedding. I'm thinking quail stuffed with foie gras, white truffles. Now, hang on. Let me just stop you. No. Honey, I'm looking at this list, and it's all so amazing. This is the start of forever. I want the perfect wedding. Given this is my third one, it's now or never. Okay, well, I guess let's just put down the deposit. Wonderful. And will that be debit or credit? Credit. Speaking of using a credit card to pay for a wedding... Mm-hmm. Don't. Sage advice. We talked about debt a lot on the show, but you know what surprises some people? That we managed to find so many decent clips for this episode? That, yes, and that not all debt is bad. This is true. Sometimes debt can be very good, as we explored in our very own game show. Welcome back, everyone, to Destroy Your Debt! On today's episode, we're talking to a guest who just paid down his entire mortgage in just... Catch this, y'all. Five years. Thanks. It feels great to be debt-free. Of course it does. So let's hear your debt destroyer battle cry. Ah, yeah, feels great. Of course it does. Now, let's hear how you did it. The audience wants to know. Well, I just cut my living expenses down to the bare bones and put every dollar I had towards knocking out that mortgage. Let's pull up your profile on the big screen. Looks like paying off your mortgage early affected quite a bit in your life. How <laughs> positive, I bet. Not even close. What? Shows us right here that cutting your expenses to nothing meant you never went out and had a social life. Uh. Yeah, that totally alienated you from your friends and family. Oh. Leaving you totally isolated and alone. Let's hear that debt destroyer battle cry. Ah. And looks like you ate nothing but ramen noodles. Yeah, um, that really cut my food bill down. And giving you an irregular heartbeat. All right, moving on. Really? Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, let's hear one more time, everybody, that debt destroyer battle cry. Wait, what about my heart? Let's hear that battle cry. Ah. Moving along. Seems like you don't have a dime. In savings. Well, I wanted to knock out the debt. Leaving you totally unprepared for even the most minor inconvenience. But the debt... And since you cut up all your credit cards, 
You've got no backup plan. Wait, credit cards can be a backup plan? Battle cry! Ah. <laughs> and looks like you didn't invest anything, missing out on long-term compound growth. I should have been investing? Turns out you would have been much better off keeping that low-interest debt and building wealth. Jimmy, just how much will this cost him over his entire life? Uh, that's uh, $1.5 million. How is that even possible? It's called leveraging, dummy! Look it up! Leveraging? Let's hear one last battle cry. Debt Destroyer! <sighs> Man, it's been so much fun. We hope you enjoyed it. And more importantly, we hope you learned something. Well, I would prefer if they enjoyed it. I'm not saying I don't want them to have enjoyed it. You're putting the preference on learning. Yes, I think that's more important. And I disagree. Fun first, learning second. Okay, we can... Distant second. Fine. If there was a third thing, I would put learning third behind that thing. How are you a professor? Who, who let that happen? Before we go, one last message from our very own Michael Thomas. If you're feeling philanthropic, please head over to our website and click on the donate button and click on the donate button at the top of the page. That's right. Baton. The baton. Baton. Try that one more time. <laughs> and if you're feeling philanthropic, please head over to our website and click the donate button at the top of the page. Are you suddenly British? <laughs> <laughs> he says, some, but, some, somebody, but somebody's messed with him about how he welcome, says button. Button. Welcome button. to America. Button. You said button. the D. Just button. 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 My, my daughter says button. Button. Yeah. <laughs> Click the button. But, button. The yeah. donate button. All right, button. Oh, I get it. No, yeah. There. Or <laughs> we should do a whole show on how you say button or button. <laughs> but, tomato. Tomato. <laughs> or if you work for a financial... Or if you work for a financial services company. Now you're reading the wrong uh, da, 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 da. And if you're and and if you're feeling philanthropic, please head over to our website and click the donate button at the top of the page. Good. Are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm conscious of it now? I thought that was okay. Button. Oh God. How do you All say right. how this do you say it? button? Button. Button or button. <laughs> no, the first one, button. 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 I can't. I'm not the only one walking around here saying button. <laughs> In this room, you are. <laughs> this is great. How oh, do you say uh, button? We button. need to do a poll. Okay, hold oh, on. God, we're doing a poll. Live poll on this. No, wait a minute. Button. Oh, or you're gonna do a baton. Uh, hold on. I'm ready. Or or go. should it be pronounced baton? Like or futon? Yeah. Bhutan. Hold is on. it Bhutan or Bhutan? Okay, hold on, I got it. How do we pronounce? We got it right here. Here we go. Button. That's kind of sounds like what he said. Button. Button. Is that how? How much do you emphasize the T? Button. There, yeah. All right. Belly button. <laughs> <laughs> Click the belly button at the top of the page. All right. Button. 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 Yeah. Button. All right. Try it one more time. All right, we'll do button. I love how we can get like real life feedback and just make this thing perfect. And if you're feeling philanthropic, 
please head over to our website and click the donate button at the top of the page. <laughs> Why are you emphasizing the word button? Emphasize the word donate. Anyway, whatever. One of those is fine. I'm tired of this. Is that it? I think so. Thanks to everyone who has donated over the years, especially our very generous friends at Elwood and Getz, Canon Financial Strategist, the UGA Financial Planning Program, and Sally May. And a very special thank you to our executive producer, Chris Shoup, our audio engineer, Garrett Burke, our associate producer, Gene Davis, and our frequent guests, Danny Kofke, Kathleen Burns-Kingsbury, Brenda Vaughn, Timmy Jorgensen, Jessica Parks, Zena Kumak, Aperba Banerjee, Jimmy Sanders, and Kathy Bradbury. And thank you for listening. We're going off the radio for now, but you can still find us online at Facebook and at nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org. So, until next time, peace. You've been listening to Nothing Funny About Money. This show is recorded in the studios of WUGA Athens on the University of Georgia campus. I'm Matt Gorin. And I'm Michael Thomas. Reach out. We'd love to answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And connect with us online at nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org.